Our scripture reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 40. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher, she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The word of the Lord. We welcome you today to us at Park Baptist Church uh, as we continue our journey through Advent. Here we are. Now on the fourth week, um, a time of waiting, a time of listening for God's voice. That's what Advent is all about. And of course, we are still in the midst of the pandemic, and these are challenging times, challenging for all ages, um, and in some way, particularly for the folk who are getting a bit older, um, you're isolated, and maybe not connecting as much as you could possibly. So in that way, we have you on our minds and uh, seeking God's uh, blessing in your lives through this time. And I reflect on that because today we look at the story of Simeon. The Christmas story is really a story for all ages and going all the way from the baby Jesus to young parents, uh, to middle-aged uh, folks with uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth and then the older people of Simeon and Anna. And the reminder in terms of our faith is that even though we get older physically, 
our faith uh, forever stays young. Uh, we are eternally young in God, even as God is an eternally young God. God does not age. And so physically we can get tired, but from a faith perspective, we are invited to remain as fresh and vibrant and dynamic as we ever were. And so we see that in Simeon, because Simeon is, is a person who's living by faith. And although he's an older person age-wise, he's very young and receptive to the Holy Spirit in his own walk. So I think we can learn a lot from Simeon as we go along. It's interesting, you know, years ago when I was uh, starting off in the pastorate at another church, Royal York, and I uh, worked with a variety of individuals and they were fellow elders. And I remember one elder that we had was uh, older and he was 70 years old. And I was a young guy of 26. And we were going off to a deacon's or an elder's retreat, actually, that's where we were going. And we were driving across the 401, and I was driving, he's beside me, and I say to him, his name is Paul Smurton, I said, Paul, what does it feel like? I mean, you're 70 years old. What does that feel like? And, and he looks at me and he says, well, Alan, actually, I don't feel any differently than when I was your age, 26. And I thought, oh, well, yeah, wow, that's great, good, you know. But here I am now, getting a little older myself, and can think with Paul Smurton, you know, I don't really feel that much different than when I was 26 in my own heart and mind. And for you, we are all different ages in this Christmas season, and may we draw strength from the same Holy Spirit that was leading Simeon as he leads us today and wants to lead us. So we turn then to this story in Luke 2, uh, and I'm going to focus on Simeon just because of time, verses 25 to 35. And so the context we find is that the Holy Family, uh, Mary and Joseph with Jesus, are traveling from Nazareth to the city of Jerusalem, the great city of Israel, to the temple. And they were faithful Jewish people, a faithful family, and they desired to follow all of the rules and regulations and celebrations that the Jewish faith had, they had many. And so they go with two in mind. One is the offering of the firstborn male child, Jesus now six weeks old, and he is to be offered to the Lord um, as a gift. And so we have overtones of the story of Hannah and Samuel here. And normally what would happen is the child is offered to the Lord, but then a payment, if you like, would be given to the Lord's work and the family would receive the child and go back. In this story, we have no uh, mention of the payment. Now maybe the payment did take place, or maybe did not, like Hannah and Samuel, and Jesus was offered to the Lord, that's it. Um, so there's that first piece that goes on, and the second piece is, and Mary, as uh, having given birth to a child, she also goes to make uh, purification after childbirth. So these are both important uh, rules, regulations, and they're following those. So it shows 
that Jesus very much was raised in a um, spiritual family, a family that looked to God and trusted in God, leaned on God. Jesus was born and raised in that kind of dynamic. Think of Paul's words to the young Timothy, who also Paul said, hey, I knew your grandparents, I knew your parents, and I know you. So there's a lineage here of, of faith. And so that's the case for Jesus. So it's no surprise for us, perhaps, that the Son of God was brought into the world in that kind of dynamic. So that's the, how the story begins. So they travel to the temple, and they must be in the outer court, the court of the women, it was called, and they are there coming in. So Mary, Joseph, holding baby Jesus. And then the text tells us that this individual Simeon, who is an older man, comes up and is led by the Spirit. Three times the mention of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading Simeon. And Simeon has been told by the Lord, God, the Father, that before he dies, that he will experience and know the consolation of Israel. That's the language that's used. And that's really a reference to the coming of the Messiah. So the Spirit has told Simeon that he will see the Messiah before he dies. And so Simeon lived within the hope of that reality. Now, I might just comment that there's a difference between hope in the biblical sense and desire. So we hope in something, hope in the reality of Jesus and what God is doing in his world. That's hope, hope in. Rather than desiring that, something might happen. So Simeon is hoping and trusting in God's work in his life, in Israel, and it's not just an aspiration that something might happen. And so when we are invited to hold on to hope, it's something that is substantive. That's the, that's the point. So we hoped in that. Eric Erickson, the psychologist from an earlier epic, he talks about the importance of living in trust rather than mistrust. To live in a way that is generative rather than a way that is stagnative. And the way we do that is sensing that there is something that we can trust in. He's, he's not speaking from a Christian perspective. He's just saying to develop psychologically in a healthy way, we need this. We need to live from trust rather than mistrust. And as we do that, we will live in a generative way, a fruitful way that has implications for many rather than stagnating. And so it's important for us to hold on to trust. Advent is all about that. Why? Because we hope in the reality of who and what God is doing. And so that's what Simeon is. So he sees the Holy Family, he recognizes by the Holy Spirit that this child is indeed the Messiah, and he goes up, and somehow he, you know, he interacts with them, and then he holds the Christ child, he holds the Messiah. The creature holding the Creator. Very powerful scene. So this older man, Simeon, actually holding in his arms the Messiah of God. Wow. So that's how the story began. And then he breaks into a song, if you like, in Christian tradition called the Nunc Dimittis, which is taken from the Latin text, which begins with, Now I depart, Nunc Dimittis. But most likely it wasn't a song, but he definitely gives his 
word of blessing and a doxology of praise for indeed what God is doing. And so we want to read the nuke to meet us at this point. Here we go. Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. Notes in the NRSV, now you are dismissing the Nuptimenus, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, Messiah, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. That is the, really his song, and then there are a few important statements after that. But that is the Nuptimenus. So, before we consider what it all might mean to us today, we just kind of dive into this song, this canticle, and recognize some themes that are important for us there. And I would suggest that there are five key ideas that we see in this Nuptimenus. And it starts by, you are dismissing your servant in peace. And so the first theme is that of peace. So the Greek word irene translates shalom. So you are dismissing your servant in shalom. You'd be speaking Hebrew. In shalom. Shalom is God's rest. Shalom is God's tranquility. His peace in our hearts. To live, again, as Erickson says, in trust rather than mistrust. And so shalom is saying to us that we can live under the hand of God, as Proverbs says. Live in trust under his hand. That doesn't mean that everything will be perfect at every time, every moment in our lives. Far from it. I'm, I'm sure Simeon had all kinds of troubles in his life at various points. Here they are. They're living under the Roman uh, eagle at this point. But nevertheless, living under the hand of God, there is a trust in his movement, his direction, shalom. And so Simeon begins with a reminder that we also are given shalom. In the midst of this pandemic, God offers us shalom. He offers us his peace. Love, peace, joy. The three jewels of the Christian faith. Love, peace, joy. Peace being one of them. And so we are able to move through living in hope that God is with us. And that his shalom is with you and with your family as you continue to lean on him day by day. Look to him. Shalom. Secondly, there is salvation. Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Your Holy Spirit three different times has spoken to me, led me here, but you've been leading me all through my life and I've I've been knowing that my eyes ultimately will see your salvation. I will see your Messiah. And so that, that's what he's singing about at this point. It's reminding us that God steps into our world to save us. The God-man, Deus Homo, as Anselm wrote years and years ago, centuries ago. The God-man breaks into our world to save us. That we cannot save ourselves. We are weak, we are fragile, we know that all too well. So God identifies with us completely, breaks into our world to save us. That's what we looked at last week as we looked at John chapter 1. God's action of salvation in Jesus Christ. He comes because he loves us. He wants us to be with him forever. 
So, I mean, you know, we, we might think, well, well, you know, like, why does Jesus have to come and save us in that sense? Why can't God just say it and then it's done? But the, but the world is so complex. There's so many layers that we don't understand as humans. We, we don't know how it all goes. We don't even know how the physical universe works. We're told that three quarters of, of the mass of our entire universe is what's called dark matter. It's, it's, we don't even know what it is, but it's there. There's so much we don't know. So what we hear in the stories is that God comes to us in Jesus Christ and it's that reality, that experience that allows us to follow Christ through the resurrection experience and know life, eternal life. So it doesn't just happen because Jesus, God says it, but something actually paves the way. One day we'll probably know why that is. But meanwhile, we accept the gift of Jesus that in him we have salvation, second theme. Thirdly, we hear Simeon saying, you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a revelation to the Gentiles. So it's a statement of inclusion. Simeon's song is for all peoples, not just for the Jewish community in the temple, but for all peoples, the presence of all peoples, in the face of all peoples, literally, a revelation to the Gentiles, the ethnos, all the tribes around the world, all the languages around the world are all invited to come in Jesus Christ. This is the work of inclusion. All the fences come down. Instead of putting barriers up, we're bringing them down. That's what Jesus wants to do. And this would have been a new piece, really, for the ears of Mary and Joseph. So when we hear that they are amazed at what, they, uh, what Simeon says, this would be part of it that God is going to do in the, through the life of their little baby something that brings everybody together. Romans, Gentiles, Jews together. This is the work of the Christ child. It's a statement of inclusion. We don't know how all that works, but that is the declaration that Simeon makes. That's what Jesus is about. His way of love is an invitation for everybody. It doesn't matter what creed, what religion. It's a message of love that Jesus is making in an invitation. The fourth theme we see, although there is a response of resistance, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many. So there is resistance. Sadly, there is resistance. Not everyone accepted Christ. Indeed, finally, Christ is crucified on the cross. This is a statement of resistance. But we also know, even as Herod resisted Jesus, there is something in us that also resists. It's not just for others. There's resistance in your heart. There's resistance in my heart. We don't always say, your will be done, your kingdom be done. It's also often my will, my kingdom. But I like what the, it's, it's, it's an image from the Chinese language where the word for crises is made up of two letters. How many different strokes, I don't know. But two letters, a variety of strokes. And those strokes have the theme of crisis. And it's been noted that one of the letters that is written has the reality of opportunity. It means opportunity. So in any crisis, there is an opportunity. That's the Chinese language is saying that, and I think that's a bit of truth. That's true. 
In any crisis, there is an opportunity, if we have the eyes and the receptivity, to be able to recognize that. So with Jesus, do we see the opportunity? Or do we just resist? You see what I mean? Or do we open up or do we just shut down? But there is an opportunity for you and for I, for me to, to grow, to live, to open our heart. But here we see the dark thread of Advent beginning to show up. And then finally, it, it's a message of pain. It, Simeon says to Mary that a sword will pass through your heart. And in Greek, there's different words for swords. And the, the word used here is the big, big, long sword. A sword will pierce through your heart. So there will be pain for her, and of course there was. Standing at the foot of the cross would have been a very painful experience, seeing your son killed in such a gruesome way, clearly. So pain is part of it. But obviously there was much joy. Can you imagine the joy that Mary experienced in her life with, with Christ as her son? There must have been incredible times. Joy. But there is that pain. And so this is the message of Simeon. And we've heard this story, if you've grown up in the church and followed the Advent reality over the years. You know, what does this say to us anew? So let me suggest three themes as we close. And the first is, is that Simeon is holding the Christ child, giving a statement of blessing. There is a sense in which you and I also hold the Christ child. Every Advent, you are invited to hold the Christ child. The six-week-old baby. Imagine, little tiny baby. You're holding that baby. You're protecting that baby. You're caring for that baby, even as Mary and Joseph did. Well, there is a sense in Advent that we are also holding on to Jesus. We are protecting him. We are walking with him. And so Advent, that's a first application. How are you holding on to Jesus and how are you caring for Jesus? Not just how are you serving Jesus, but how are you holding him, caring for him? protecting him, doing your part of caring for the Savior of the world. So first thing. The second thing that we might consider is as Mary experiences pain, the sword passes through her heart. There is the reality that a sword also passes through our heart. You and I, Jesus says, are invited to deny ourselves and to pick up our cross and follow him. Well, if you do that, and I do that, we're going to experience a little bit of pain. So a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I'm looking at Paul's text, that we are invited to be happy, and we are to pray continually, and we are to give thanks. But that doesn't mean we will never experience pain. As we look and live and trust in God, trust and not mistrust, in the moment, we can know joy and happiness. But there's also the dark thread of Advent that at some point will cross through in your life, and you, you've had many of them already, I know that. But even in those moments, we can receive them. 
and in grace learn, perhaps, and grace receive what God has for us even in those times. So a sword passes through Mary's heart, perhaps through our hearts. And then finally, Simeon holds the Christ child and is making an offering to God. He's praising God. He's blessing God. Now I depart because you have answered my prayers and I'm holding the Messiah. I offer the Messiah to you. But you know, Paul says that we are the body of Christ. And so there's a sense in which we as the body of Christ are offered to God in Christ. We are an offering. Make my life an offering, we sing. And so at Christmas we do become an offering. We become a presentation to God. And so you and I are invited to ask, well, what kind of offering am I? Am I a sacrifice of praise that gives glory to God, as the writer of Hebrews says? Or am I just still so caught up in myself, it's all about me, and I uh, hardly can do anything? We're invited to be an offering. Little ways, little ways, tiny steps. Each day, be an offering. For me, be an offering. That's the invitation. Simeon is holding up the Christ child. We are the body of Christ. We become an offering. And so we have these dimensions of Simeon's song. And I pray that we'll hold on to them. We will know that God is there for you, for me, that he loves us, he cares for us. We hold Christ in our arms. Sword may pass through your heart and my heart. And finally, we become an offering. And I pray on this last Sunday before Christmas that we might be an offering anew each day for the glory of God. I pray in Jesus' name.